I'm Matt Downing, and welcome to Diving Deep EDU. Curious conversations with all types of peeps. Encouraging innovation, we are diving deep. Certainly education is what we like to speak. Fervent with dedication, now it is time to teach. Thanks for tuning in. We are doing a mini quick hitting series on hybrid Learning. It's a hot topic these days and something many people are reflecting upon and gearing up for in the next school year. Our guest today is Rochelle Dene Poth. Rochelle was a former guest on Diving Deep EDU, so go back, check out episode number three, listen to our conversation. Rochelle is a Spanish teacher, STEAM teacher, as well as an attorney. She's a frequent blogger, presenter, podcaster, and author. Rochelle's the president of the ISTE Teacher Education Network and recently received the ISTE Making It Happen Award. Rochelle, thank you so much for joining me. Como esta? Look at you go. Yeah, great to be back and talk with you today. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Estoy bien, gracias. Ah. E2? Uh, bien, bien. <laughs> So as we think about hybrid learning, as we reflect, uh, what are some of your big takeaways? Well, uh, it, it has definitely been an interesting year. Like mm. I, was just, I was just having a conversation with somebody earlier about, you know, whenever you're teaching, I mean, for me, I've been teaching Spanish and STEAM for at least the last seven years. I haven't always taught STEAM, but there are certain topics or things that I cover every year. And you kind of know when you're at that point in the year, because it's like that focus of what you're learning. And that's Mm. like, sometimes it just hits me where I think, wow, this year has gone by so fast. And I was thinking the same thing because graduations and things happening, I think, oh my, where did this past year go? But I think about how many different things happened during that time. And when it comes to hybrid, or however we've been teaching this past year, Mm -hmm. you know, there are definitely challenges that came with it. And I had written a couple blogs and did my own little podcast, just kind of thinking through some of them. And of course, there's a lot of negatives, right? A lot of frustrations that we experience. But looking back on it, I feel like there was just so much out there for us to kind of embrace and learn and take risks with it. And I I think, I mean, I've seen, and I know my own experience, like that we have all learned a lot this year. And I think teachers in some cases for the first time may have started to use technology or took some risks that before they were like, yeah, I'm not going to take any of these risks because at that point, you know, a year ago, whenever schools closed, what do we have to lose? Because we didn't have anything Mm -hmm. to draw experience from. And so When I think back to this past year, when it first started, we were fully virtual and then we transitioned for 18 weeks to hybrid. And then this last nine weeks, we were either students chose to be full five days in person or stay virtual. And every single time there was an adjustment to be made, but I felt like it helped me, I know at least, think about what I was actually doing in my classroom, what ways was I creating for my students to connect with each other and to build skills beyond the Spanish, of course. But um, I just feel like it was a really great opportunity for teachers to try new ideas, to make yeah. connections, and to create a space for students to you know, explore a lot of things that maybe they wouldn't have had the opportunity to do before for whatever reason. 
Yeah, that's a great point. You know, the trying, the taking a risk, the being willing to do something different. And uh, and I think a lot of people could agree with you with that, with hybrid learning. What are some ways that you did see people take risks, maybe for yourself or maybe for a colleague or maybe for someone in a different school? What were some ways that you saw people actually jumping out, taking a risk, doing something different, trying something out that they've never tried before? Yeah, well... I just know for my own classroom, some of the different tools that I would use that I've, that I've used for years. And I, I knew that some other teachers were trying things, you know, like a Nearpod and, mm-hmm. and putting all of their materials into something and just really taking on something that before maybe they were like, yeah, I don't know, what does it do? But realizing that there were so many possibilities with it. And even not even based on technology, but looking at things like project-based learning, um, Genius Hour, those types Mm. of things that I think, well, I know I recommended last year too, thinking about, okay, what happens if we have to go back and forth between these different learning environments? Um, Technology will fail, of course, we know. So what are some strategies that we can use that if we find out, you know what, we can't be in school for two weeks or however long, that we can put something in a place that gives students opportunity to be independent in learning. And so I know a lot of educators started to embrace new ideas like the project-based learning Mm. or Genius Hour, uh, even trying things like choice boards, uh, different technology tools, or even maybe for the first time, like narrowing down the types of tools they were using and realizing like, oh, you know, I've been using this digital tool for this purpose, but I didn't know that I could use it for all of these other things Mm. and kind of, you know, expanding. so I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of possibilities. I know that I tried a lot of different tools and I definitely made a lot of mistakes with some of the things <laughs> I was doing and struggled and I'm terrible at mm. juggling sometimes. But <laughs> but it was, I, you know, I'm happy with how things went. Could they have gone better? Of course. But it's yeah. it's something to build on and grow on for this upcoming year. Yeah, let's stay on the risk for a moment, because another part that I've realized and I've sort of observed and have experienced myself is the process of taking a risk, the process of trying something new. So there's something powerful, obviously, in a genius hour, right? Doing that in your classroom. I know you're a big proponent of that and doing some different projects like that, some different project-based learning. But there's also something wonderful that happens in that process for the teacher in taking a risk and trying something new and trying to juggle something and see if it works. And I want to get your insight on that. Why do you think it is so important or so helpful for a teacher to take a risk. Why is that so helpful actually for the teacher through that process? That is a great question because the taking of a risk is something when I first started teaching, I really didn't, I might've said like, Oh yeah, I try different ideas or take some Mm. risks, but I really didn't. And for me, my experience actually that I, that kind of pushed me into this direction was when I went to law school. I'd already been teaching for five years and I enrolled in law school and I was teaching full time and going to school. And it put me back. I mean, that was a big risk to do that, first of all. And then it put me back into the classroom and I was out of my comfort zone and I was uncomfortable for sure. I didn't always know the answers and it it helped me. It definitely reengaged me in teaching, but it gave me that different perspective of what it's like to kind of put yourself out there. And then from after that experience moving forward, I realized like, 
yeah, you know, we need to take the risks and it can definitely be scary, but mm-hmm. we want our students to be comfortable when they come up against challenges and, you mm-hmm. know, all of that productive struggle and all of those things yeah. that help them to build these essential skills for the future mm-hmm. and know that like, yeah, okay, I, I got F's in geometry. All right. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't do that well, but what's the lesson I learned? Or I tried to do this and yeah, I wasn't very good at it. And doing that in front of them, because I've done that a lot of times and I say, yeah, you know, I'm going to try this with us today. We'll see how it goes. And sometimes <laughs> after five minutes and I see like, it's just not working or they say to me, what is this supposed to be? And I say, yep, you know what? We're going to scrap that. Uh, <laughs> I knew it may or may not work, but they, when they see us doing that and then our response to it and how we work through it, it's a good model to set for them. So they become more com- comfortable and build their own confidence. And um, it's just a good example for our students, like embracing failure. Okay. What did we learn from it? Because there's learning and failure, of course. Yeah. So now what do we do and where do we go from here? I really like the phrasing that you use, the productive struggle or the productive challenge, like working through that. And that is very productive. Um, and we can't get to the end or the fruit of that labor if we don't have that struggle or that interaction uh, that is so necessary. And talking about that struggle, talking about the challenge, what are some challenges uh, that you've seen that have sort of come to the surface for you as some of the biggest challenges for this hybrid or virtual or remote teaching? Oh my goodness. Uh, (laughs) If I, when I think back to whatever it first started, I was just, I didn't know how to balance everything because Mm. you feel like in virtual for me at the start of the year, I I got used to it. It was a, it was a transition of course, but at least I felt like I had all the students there now, whether or not they were all listening at the same time, (laughs) you know, because they're in their, their own space or their cameras weren't on, but I still felt like whatever message that I was conveying to them or whatever I was sharing that they were all connected in that same space, but then shifting to the hybrid Mm. where some of them are at home and the students are in the class, you feel pulled in those different directions. And it's like, how do I divide my time? Because no matter what you do, you're missing out on those opportunities and interactions and the support that you need to give for somebody else. And so trying Mm. to figure out like, how do I balance this? And mm. that was a big struggle for me. And of course, the technology with the multiple computers and the external yeah. microphone and all of that to help students feel as connected in the class as they could be, even though we were so disconnected based on our locations. Yeah, the balance seems to be a big issue talking with teachers. Bring us into some ways that that you've dealt with that as you've processed and, and tried to have some productive struggle with the balance. Yeah, it, uh, it, it took... I mean, when I first started, I thought back to when schools first closed last year and I thought, okay, now, now that I know what I did then, what (laughs) am I going to do differently now? And Mm. it was exhausting. I mean, there are so many things we have to balance because, you know, of course, technology being the the biggest problem, because you don't know if the students have the devices, if it's reliable, if you're, if you're at school, if your technology is going to work Mm -hmm. and then trying to figure out where to spend the time. Like, how do I prepare for this? So do I teach the whole time or how do I know the students are actually listening? Um, Are they leaving? What tools can I use to kind of put them in together? And so like for me, my, my best tips were that I brought in extra equipment. So I had a computer, but it didn't have an internal uh, webcam or the microphone. So I had to have those. And then I had the second computer. And the biggest thing was at first, I just used my headset. So the problem with that was that the students in the classroom couldn't hear the students at home. And then I couldn't interact. And so once I 
got the the uh, microphone and then they could actually have conversations with each other. It was mm. like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then mm. I started to feel like I was in a little bit more of a flow because I started classes in a certain way or I had students as they were, you know, of course there's problems joining in. Um, I had some activity for them to start with to do like a check-in because that was yeah. important too. I wanted to know how they were feeling. Uh, I definitely wanted their feedback. And then I tried to kind of rotate that. So check in with the students as they came into the classroom and then, you know, use breakout rooms in some cases. And then the students could work together in the breakout rooms virtually. And I could have the students in the classroom work together, but then having some different tools, you know, a handful of tools that enable you to do a lot like those interactive lessons, uh, the video tools that you can use, the game-based learning, of course, are always a hit, but at least it helps students Mm -hmm. to feel like they're connected um, or even those whiteboard spaces, you know, having Mm -hmm. students collaborate where they they may not be in the same physical space, but they're posting on the same space. So it's kind of a a connection for them. And so it it definitely was a work in progress, but um, there's no perfect solution, of course. So all we need to do is just like, be open to ideas, take some risks, definitely be flexible and mm. um, look back on it now, especially, you know, anytime you have to reflect and then think about, okay, what's something I could do a little bit differently? Yeah, thanks for that. And thanks for highlighting the need uh, to connect these different classrooms, the in-person, the ones at home and the ways that you thought about that to sort of bring connections for them, whether it be speaking or different games or different whiteboard features, um, but continually to to iterate and change and try to bring these different groups together. So you're always changing, you're growing, and let's look forward, right? I don't, I'm not sure what's going to be happening in your school district, but across the country, many districts are still going to be hybrid come the fall. What is something that you would envision or hope for as we look forward with hybrid learning? I said this a couple of months ago too, and and it was kind of, I mean, with all things that there should be pushback, right? Because you want to consider all of the different viewpoints and experiences. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I appreciated, and I know that students definitely did too, was like, when we were hybrid. We had Wednesdays that were asynchronous days. Okay. And I really liked having the asynchronous part because there were so many things that we could do on those days. Uh, and I was just thinking like in the future, it would be nice. And I know it's hard, like elementary students, you want them in school, they need to be in the classrooms with their teachers. But I was thinking more at like, say the high school level where I've had students who say, you know, I want to do a career um, job shadow or something, but mm-hmm. I can't miss my double, whatever the class is, or I would like to go and tour college, but I don't want to miss because I fall behind in this class. And I thought mm-hmm. if we could keep an asynchronous day, whether it's once a month or, you know, once per nine weeks or something where that's a day where if students want to do a college visit, they want to do some job career study, parents could meet with teachers, teachers can meet one-on-one with students, um, community, you know, place-based learning, project-based learning, all of these possibilities. I just thought that there was something to be said for that. But the, um, the asynchronous piece, I mean, it was a lot of work because you have to have things for students to work on and lessons. But I started to think about what could be done in that time where they're not working at the same time. And if there's other opportunities where students and teachers too could connect together because finding that time is so hard. And I know it wouldn't work for all grade levels, but it was just something that I considered. But for everybody, just hopefully keeping something in place where students and families can connect and communicate and have the Mm -hmm. access to all the resources and support that they need, uh, whatever works for you in your classroom, in your school. I think that's important to have 
you know, a few tools in place so as to not overwhelm either, because that is definitely yeah. a consideration that we need to keep in our mind. Yeah, without a doubt. Rochelle, you've been bringing us so much insight and helpful wisdom. Uh, close us out with some tips or a final thought in regards to hybrid learning. Well, I would say first, think about, uh, this is what I always recommend, actually. Think about <laughs> think about something that has typically taken a lot of time, whether it's come down to like the planning or your assessment or something that for me years ago, it was like, a disconnect. I felt like I really couldn't connect with my students and I, I wasn't there. I wasn't available for them when they had questions or needed the resources. So focus on one thing and start with that. And maybe mm. it's, you know, having a space for students to collaborate with their classmates to maybe collaborate on a global scale or think about um, something again, like that takes a lot of your time and kind of expand on it. So let's say you have students complete like a quick check-in, like an entrance or an ex exit ticket, or maybe you have yeah. students who are absent from class and they miss the content. So what is something that you can use and create that can be used later on and students can access it? And I would say start with some of those ideas. Um, just explore one at a time. Mm. Like you don't have to do all the things. You just got to pick one. And yeah. if it doesn't work, there are many more out there. Rochelle, thank you so much for joining me again on Diving Deep EDU. This was a fast-paced and helpful conversation. Thank you so much for all of your insights. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget, go back, listen to episode number three, and you can hear our previous conversation. If you like this episode, subscribe, share it out, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All of those things will help get this podcast out to more people. Until next time. Wow, it's time to reflect. That's astounding. You've been checking out the podcast from Matthew Downing. Hope you like diving deep like a scuba diver. And the show provoked hope. That's our true desire.